Silas and probably Luke, they're on a, their second big missionary journey and they're following up with some churches that they planted on their first trip. Uh, they're also planting new churches. They're sharing the gospel with people who have never heard the gospel. And whenever Paul goes to a place, he starts out in the synagogue. He starts out going to, to uh, fellow Jewish uh, people and he shares them, that, hey, Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the, the one that the scripture's been pointing to all this time. And then if they, you know, if they won't hear, uh, he, he goes out and will just share the message with anybody that will listen. And that's what we see him do here in Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. All right, so let's stop there. So Paul goes and he presents the word, and we're, gonna, and we're told that some believe, some Jews believe, some Greeks believe, some men believe, some, some women believe, and they, and they joined in with him. But there are several descriptive words that are given for how Paul presents God's word. And I think that gives us a, a sense of, of how God calls us to engage with the word of God and how God calls us to present God's word to other people. We alive? Woo! All right, so... It's, we're told first uh, in verse 2, Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them. So God calls you to present the Scripture to others. And I'm assuming there's people you're talking to about God's Word. If there's not, there's people that, that you can talk to in your life about God's Word, fellow uh, students or coworkers or family or neighbors. And Paul presents God's Word reasonably. Now, we hear that word reasonably, and we might just think of intellectually or like a professor. Um, that's, not, that's not really the, the, the gist here. The, 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 the word Reason, translated reason here is the word where we get our word dialogue um, or dialectic. Uh, Paul is presenting God's word in, in a dialogue, and he's in dialogue with the with the Old Testament scriptures, and he's in dialogue with the the teaching of the time. He's in dialogue with what's going on with folks at this time. And and I would I would just encourage you to to remember whenever you sit down with God's word. And when we sit down with God's word, it can be it can be overwhelming, and it can be where do I start, and it can be tough. But when you sit down with God's word, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. And uh, have you noticed that we struggle today with conversation? Have you ever noticed that, that, that we struggle in conversation? We kind of ask, yeah, l- l- let me see if this sounds like conversations you've had this week. How you doing? Good, good, me too. Hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's hot. Well, see you later. Uh, does that, is that kind of the extent of a lot of conversations? And... Um, and, and, and where conversation often uh, fails to go anywhere is we, we lack curiosity to ask questions. I'm not talking about being nosy. There's a difference between curiosity and nosiness, and I'll let you think about what that, what that difference is. But curiosity is like, well, well, what are you learning lately? What's God teaching you lately? Um, do you have any struggles? Um, how can I help you? Uh, is there a way I can pray for you? Uh, how's that new job going? Um, uh, really, well, 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 well what's, your, what's your plan? Ask a question and then ask another question. In not a creepy way, not a stalkery way, but a curious way and an interested way. And it's amazing. If you ask questions and you're, you're truly curious about other people, they'll talk to you all day long. Um, and as we're curious about people, we're curious about others, and we, you're curious in our conversations, that leads to empathy for other people. And curiosity and empathy are two qualities that are in short supply in our world today. And we of all people, if, if, if we claim the name of Jesus, we, we ought to be characterized by, by the very least, by curiosity 
and by empathy. And so, uh, and when you're in conversation, be curious. Well, when we're in conversation with God's word, often our same problems with conversation with, with other people, we take that to God's word and we just have a lack of curiosity. Samson married Delilah. Samson let Delilah shave his hair. Samson died crushing pillars. The end. What a good story. Thank you for your word. And like, where's the curiosity in that? Wait a minute. Am I supposed to be like Samson? Am I supposed to, is he a warning? Uh, am I supposed to not be like Samson? Why did he marry Delilah? What, why did he tell her when she was clearly trying to, trying to hurt him? Why did he tell her a secret? Why does the story end with him killing a bunch of people? I don't feel really great after I read the story. What's the point of the story? And so be curious about God's word. And, and there's things that, that we encounter in God's word that we don't understand. Well, wow, I wonder, I wonder who might be able to shed some light on this. There's this curiosity that we can bring to God's word. It's a dialogue. And when we're reading God's word, like when we're reading a passage in Acts, there's a dialogue with the Old Testament. Oh, he quotes Amos here. I wonder what Amos says about that. I wonder where else this particular word is used. And when we read scripture, it's a conversation with scripture. It's a conversation with God's people. You know, when we go to God's word, we're all... We read, we read God's word together when we're in a room together or we're in a class together or even when we're not. We, we, we read, whenever you read scripture, you're part of something. You're, the people of God have been reading scripture for a long time. The people of God have been studying the scripture for a long time. And so there's people that I can go to. There's resources that I can go to. There's resources that you can go to. There's teachers here in our church. There's people that have written some amazing books. There's online resources that we can go to and say, wow, this is a person that has really studied this passage of scripture a lot. Um, there's some reputable and, 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 uh, and, and there's some uh, uh, solid resources we can go to. Say, I'm going to be in dialogue with some teachers to help me understand. You know, I'm going to go sit in Ms. Donna's class or Jerry's class or Derek's class. I think they can help me as I grow. Um, I'm going to be in a life group and, and I'm going to share what I'm, what I'm learning and what I'm growing. I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to bounce questions off of other people. Um, and, and, and when we read God's word, we read it in dialogue, not just with itself, not just with other, other believers, but we read it in dialogue um, with God's spirit. And that's where we say, God, what do you want this word to say to me today? Like, uh, okay, here's what it meant. Here's what it meant 2,000 years ago. Here's what it means now. But God, your word's alive. Do you want to say anything to me through the scripture? Is there, is there something that you want to say to me through your word today, here and now? It's a conversation. Um, so he presents the scripture reasonably. Um, he, he says, we're told that he explains the scripture. Um, that word explain um, is the same word used by Luke in Luke 24 where Jesus opens up the Scripture. He opens up the Scripture after the resurrection. He's walking on the road to Emmaus and the disciples are walking with Him and Jesus explains the Scripture from beginning to end and He just opens it up to them. As you uh, share God's Word with other people, um, God uh, gives you the opportunity to share it in a simple way. You don't have to dumb it down, but share it in a simple way. Share the story in a simple way, in a way that people can understand. I've shared many times before, there was a lady once that told me, um, Matt, some preachers are just so smart, and, and, they're, and they're always presenting the Word in a way that I have to think too hard, and I don't understand it, but I never have to worry about, about that with you. You're, you're, never, you're never too smart for me. Said, well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But we are called to present the Word in a simple way. We're called to present the Word in a way that people can understand. Uh, to explain it, to make it open. And that's what the Holy Spirit, more than anyone does, He opens up the Word to us. 
if we're asking. Um, We're called to present the Scripture in a compelling way. We're told that Paul proved that it was necessary. He was proving that it was necessary for the cross to suffer. That word proving is the the word that, that often means to present or to set before. He sets the Word of God before them. And it's kind of the same word. It's the same word that would be used for setting a, a plate of food in front of somebody. So as Paul sets the word before them, it's like he's a chef who's presenting this feast before people to eat. Um, every now and then, if Son and I can, you know, get away from the kids for a minute, or it's like an anniversary or something special, you know, we'll go out and we'll have a nice dinner. You know, at the house, when we're eating at the house, we don't care a lot about present, the presentation of our food. We just kind of throw it all on a plate and, and eat it. Let's just be glad we're eating. But if you go to a nice restaurant, part of what you pay for is the atmosphere and all that, but you also pay for the presentation of the food. The food is presented to you in a, in a way that makes you, you know, that kind of draws you into it. And so as you pray about and think about sharing God's word with people, do it in a way that's, uh, that's appealing and that draws people in. That word for prove isn't just used to uh, other places in the scripture about like setting food before someone, but it's also used in the sense of making a deposit. Um, in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1.18, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, guard the good deposit that I made into you. And whenever, whenever you read God's word, you're making a deposit into your life. You're making a deposit into your heart. Whenever you share God's word with somebody else, you're making a deposit into someone else's life. And that's a really, really important concept to be mindful of. That when I share God's word with someone else, or when you do, you're making a deposit into that person's account. Um, and I've got a choice every day. Am I going to just totally just, just withdraw from people around me? Or am I going to make deposits in people around me? I also have a choice. Am I going to make deposits into my own spiritual life, into my own heart? And whenever you go to God's Word and you read it, and you think on it, and you study it, and you memorize it, you, do, you, do, you, you spend time with God's Word, uh, in conversation with God's Word, you're making a deposit into your heart and into your life. And you may have to make a withdrawal by lunch or on your drive to work. Um, but what happens if we, if we make less deposits, now I'm not a finance major. Some, some guys in here might be going into finance, but I know this. I may have a couple bankers in the room. I know this, that if I make more withdrawals than I make deposits, am I going to be in good shape financially? No. We know that. I'm going to be running to the bank as fast as I can with that check. No, 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 wait. Here, I got one. If I make more withdrawals than deposits, I'm going to be upside down. And if I make withdrawal, if I make deposits regularly, what starts to happen is my money goes to work for me. You ever hear people talking about their money going to work for them? Uh, some of us are saying, yeah, my money's working for me right now. And some of us are saying, I'd love to be able to say my money was working for me. My money's working for somebody right now. I don't know if it's working for me. As you make, as you make deposits, your money goes to work for you. And it's generating something for you even when you're not touching it. And that's, the Word of God is like that. We make deposits as we read the Word of God, and we may have to withdraw that that day. It's like I make, I'm, I'm putting my paycheck in, and now I've got to pay my credit card bill. I'm making that withdrawal, and, and, and the deposit, they just balance out. But over time, as you invest God's Word in you, regularly and daily, as you hear, as you read, as you study, what happens is God's Word goes to work for you. God's Word goes to work in you. And God's Word starts, doing, it starts picking up momentum in you. And God's Word starts doing a work of transformation in you 
that you could never do for yourself. Paul puts, when Paul wrote the letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, probably the first letter that Paul wrote, uh, we've got it up there, 1 Thessalonians 2, I believe verse 13. He talks about this, about what the, about what the Word of God does. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2. Um, I'll turn there. 1 Thessalonians 2. Verse 13. He says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Uh, Paul writes to, to, to the Thessalonians that when we were there, he said, you received God's word and you received it not as the, work of the, the word of man, but as the word of God, and it is at work in you who believe. When you make regular deposits into your spiritual account with God's word, God's word works in you energetically and creatively and powerfully and transformatively. Um, and so he goes on to say, we presented Christ as, this, as, as uh, he, he says, we, we, we proved uh, that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead. And, and that's, the, that's the meat, that's the punchline of all Paul's teaching. And, and really that's the punchline all the way through Acts and all the way through the New Testament. All the teaching, the whole story points towards that Christ is Lord. Christ is King of the universe. He's the one that has risen and died and risen. Um, and as you're, as you're sharing with people God's word, that's the point that we're, that we're moving toward, that Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer of all the uh, promises of the Old Testament. He's the answer to all the, 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 the desires of every human heart, that Jesus is God's plan A. Jesus doesn't just kind of appear out of nowhere in the book of Acts. He's firmly rooted to all the promises and prophecies in Scripture of the Old Testament. And he is the lens through which the New Testament understands and interprets all the rest of Scripture. All Scripture finds its fulfillment in the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He says, Jesus is the Christ, and we proclaim him as the Christ. Um, when you hear the word proclaim, do you think about a guy like screaming and hollering and, and maybe proclaim to me kind of sounds like I'm really getting it, you know? And like right now, um, I know like it would be easier to like be fired up if I was just like jumping all and like slobbering and snarling everywhere. But you can, you can proclaim Christ without like a lot of snot. Okay, every time you, t I mean, you don't have to yell or even raise your voice to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. Every time when you're praying with a hurting friend and you point them to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you just proclaimed good news. And, 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 and the gospel isn't just good advice, do this, do this. Here's what you can do. The gospel is good news. Here's what Jesus has done for you. It's good news. And so as a result of this, of him uh, explaining and proving and reasoning and, and being in conversation with the, with the Word and proclaiming Jesus as Lord, we read verse 4, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Some believed and joined. Real, that word join is the sense of casting their lots in. They say, you know what? You guys are crazy, but we're going to jump on this roller coaster with you. We're going to jump on this thing with you and we're going to ride this thing out. We don't know where it's going, but we're in. Um, Jesus calls us to believe, and Jesus also calls us to belong. And these believers here, as they came to place their trust in Jesus, they also find a group that they belong to. They belong. They said, we're going to jump in here with you, Paul and Silas, and these, this handful of other believers. Um, some of us are trying to believe without belonging, and you know what happens is your faith just, my faith can't stay sharp 
just like Cade shared earlier, without a community of people around me sharpening me. Um, and some of us are trying to belong without believing. We just want to fit in with a group, but we don't want to. Uh, but we don't want to give our lives to Jesus. Jesus calls us to believe, and He calls us to belong. What happens next? Um, so some Jews and some Greeks uh, believe, and they join Paul and Silas, as did a great many other people. Verse five. But the Jews, this is Jewish leadership of the synagogue. They were jealous and taking. Uh, Some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now, Jason's probably a pretty young believer, and and, and this... It's kind of interesting what happens. The, the, the Jewish leaders, these religious people, they don't like that people are turning to Jesus. And so they go and they, they get a mob together, not from the synagogue. They get a mob together from the marketplace. And they, they go find some kind of guys that are just kind of lurching around the marketplace looking for a fight. And they go get those guys. They get them all stirred up and they start throwing the city in disorder. And they start like root, uh, looting and rioting and, 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 and all this stuff. And then what the mob ends up doing is they go and they drag Jason, this, this new believer, out of his house and all of his friends they're looking for paul and silas they throw these guys in prison and they bring them before the magistrates and they say these guys are setting our city in an uproar well the mob is accusing the christians of doing what the mob themselves were doing and we might think we might read this and say this is talk to me about something that applies to me because i am not running around setting the looting the city talk to me about something that matters to me well i think a mob mentality is very very relevant to our thinking today, and it's something that we need to be very watchful of. If you think that there's not still mob mentality and that we're not still seduced by mob mentality, go, go check your social media this afternoon. Go check the comments section of, of a controversial news story. Man, if you wake up, you open your eyelids, you turn on social media, and, and, and we step into mob mentality before our feet even hit the floor. And mob mentality, every, you, know, you know, like at work or at school when there's just drama and everybody's upset and we're all mad and, we're, and we just get other people involved in our, in our madness. It's, it's powerful. That's powerful because we all want to belong. But instead of belonging healthily, often we look to belong in unhealthy ways. Um, Reinhold Niebuhr said that groups are more immoral than individuals. Whether you believe that or not, it's up to you. But I think we could all agree that it's, re- it's a lot easier for an individual to see the light and repent than it is for a whole group of people with pitchforks to do so. And so, and so a mob rule is seductive. It's powerful. And it thrives on my, my sense of being offended. And the mob accuses these believers of what they themselves are doing. And they're saying, I don't like where this roller coaster is going. So I'm gathering up my posse and we're about to throw down. When life doesn't go the way you want it to go, listen to this. Do you gather your posse or do you go to God's word? I know what I'm tempted to do. I think I know what we're all tempted to do. When life doesn't go the way we want it to go, at work, family, church, school, do we gather our posse Either our social media, like invisible posse, or our real life posse around the water cooler. Do we gather our posse? We're all mad. We're, Arr! or do we go to God's word? Say, God, where is the log in my eye? What's true? What's real? What matters here? All right. Do we do we gather our posse, or do we go to God's word? And and then the mob accuses uh, the believers, the church. They say these are the people that are turning the world upside down. They're, they're preaching another king, not Caesar, Jesus as the king. Now, th- this is true. The gospel really is turning the world upside down, and they really are presenting uh, that, that, that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. 
Guys, the Word of God turns our lives upside down. The Word of God turns this world upside down. And, and, and I know that, that as the Word of God has invaded my life, my values have been turned upside down, or really right side up. My priorities, my motives, these are things that God is continually at work in me by His Word, setting right side up. Uh, my, my motives, my values, my priorities. And, and we're told that the magistrates, they hear this is going on and they're disturbed. Sometimes God's Word disturbs us. It doesn't always comfort us. Sometimes it disturbs us. All right, and so let's, 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 let's move from Thessalonica to Berea and we're going to wrap up. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. We're told that the nobility of the Bereans is that they were eager to receive the Scripture and they examine it daily to see if what Paul and Silas were saying is true. They, Paul and Silas come in preaching the gospel and the Bereans don't say, okay, you're a good teacher, uh, I like you and I like the stories you tell, so I'm going to believe everything you say. No, they hear it eagerly and then they go and they say, how does that line up with God's word? Man, in your life group, in your Sunday school class, here as you hear me preach, your online sermons you listen to, measure everything you hear by the word of God. And if you have a question, go to somebody you trust and you respect and say, hey, does, how does this gel with God's word? Read God's word in community with other people. But they eagerly, with eager enthusiasm, receive God's words. What's something that you would eagerly and enthusiastically receive? New car? Million bucks? Man, I would eagerly, and I'm about to go, a lot of us are going to go eagerly and enthusiastically receive some lunch in a little while, right? If I, ever, if I ever shut up. Like, man, you know what sounds good for lunch to me today is like some fried eggs and some hash browns and some biscuits and gravy. I'm probably not going to get to eagerly receive that, but I would, all right? And that's the way the Bereans approach God's word. Man, I just, I want this word in my life. I'm just going to eat this meal that's been prepared for me. And they examine it. They investigate it. Does what we're hearing line up with God's word? And it says they're doing it daily. Guys, there's no, if we want to grow, if we want to overcome the sin that so easily entangles us, if we want our lives to, be, to mature, if we want to break out of the merry-go-rounds that we're on, listen, there is no substitute for daily spending time in God's word. There is no substitute for, for that. And, 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 and we're not going to read the word and suddenly, okay, I've got it up. But over time, God's word's going to take root in your heart. Over time, God's word is going to turn your heart upside down. It's going to turn you loose to turn the world upside down. There's no substitute for God's word daily in our lives. God's word, as the band's coming up, God's word grounds us in a mob rule world. God's Word guides us in a morally confused world. Anybody ever get confused? God's Word guides us. Guides us. Well, you know, I think I'd be happier if I, married, if, I, if I divorced this person and married somebody else. Well, you might be. But what does God's Word say? Look, trust me, you're not going to be for long because you're still you, okay? <laughs> but what does God's Word say? Well, you know, I mean, I can cheat a little bit at work and nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. What does God's word say? Make a withdrawal. You know what? My, my wife's not paying any attention to me and I can flirt with this, with this lady at work and it's going to feel great and it's not going to get me any, in any trouble. What does God's word say? Make that withdrawal 
God's Word grows us through comforting us and through disturbing us. God's Word gives you assurance and stability when life is a roller coaster. And God's Word holds out a ticket to you to get on the greatest roller coaster you could ever ride. God's Word turns your life upside down and turns your world upside down. I'd like us just to collectively make a commitment. I, I, I invite you. Um, will you commit by the, by the aid of the Spirit of God to make the study of God's Word a priority in your life? Some good res- a, a, a great resource that has helped me a lot is a, an app that uh, Logan told me about, and I've shared with you before. It's called Read Scripture. It's a great app that'll give you a reading plan. It'll give you little animated videos that, that, that help unpack every uh, book of the Bible. It helps me. I'm not disciplined enough to just sit down and I'm just going to read the Bible. Uh, I, need a, I need a plan. And so a plan helps me. Um, the Version app has some great reading plans in it. These are just some tools. Um, if you just want to start reading... Start in the book of Acts, where we're reading right now. Start in the Gospel of Luke, where we were not long ago. Read about Jesus. Um, start there, okay? Um, and, 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 and we've got groups and, and classes that can help you with that. But God's Word, if God's Word's not a priority in our lives, we're not going to grow. So let's be like the Bereans. Examine the Scripture. Be hungry for the Scripture. And maybe you just want to pray for that as we go into a time of invitation. God, awaken in me a deeper hunger for your Word.